This is a Stand with Lynette podcast. You have episode 44, The Life-Changing Power of the Book of Mormon with Audra Elkington. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome to this week's episode of the Stand with Lynette podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for rating, reviewing, sharing the podcast. All of that is what makes it possible. So keep those ratings, reviews, and shares coming I really, really appreciate that. Even though I say that every week, I do appreciate it. I am very excited today to introduce you to my friend, Audra Elkington. We've been friends on Instagram for several years. I've kind of been following her story. It's such a good one. Audra has so many great things to share in her story today about how she intentionally decided to walk away from the church. And then in a miraculous way, the Lord brought her back to the church and then how she learned to use the Book of Mormon as a tool to really bind her to Jesus Christ. It has been essential in her conversion, and I love the way that she explains her relationship with Christ and how that came about through the Book of Mormon study that she does every single day. So without further ado, my friends, let's dive into this interview with my friend, Audra. Hello, friends. I am so excited to introduce you today to my friend, Audra Elkington, and we have been friends on Instagram for a while, like a few years. We were just trying to decide how long we've known each other and neither of us remember, but we've never actually talked in person. So I am so excited to be able to talk to Audra today. And I know she's got an awesome story to share and has so much wisdom and I can't wait to hear all about it. So welcome Audra. I'm so happy you're here today. Yay. I'm happy to see you face to face. This is exciting. Same, same. I feel like Instagram friends need to connect in person sometimes. And even though this isn't in person, it kind of feels like it. It's like the next best thing. Yeah, it's that one-on-one. -on -one. That's what it yeah, is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Audra, would you mind just starting by telling us a little bit about yourself, your family? Sure. No problem. Um, I currently live in North Carolina, but my husband and I have, we met at BYU in a Book of Mormon class nonetheless. And um, we've kind of lived all over the United States. He's in the construction industry. And so we kind of just go where the work is. All three of our kids have been born in different states. And um, my oldest is getting ready to turn 16 and will start driving. And I cannot wait to have a driver in the house. It's so awesome. Uh, I feel like it's going to change my life. So it does. Um, and then I also have a 12 year old daughter and a seven year old daughter. And we, this is home. We love North Carolina and we don't ever want to leave. And it's amazing watching how many people are moving here right now, because it's very obvious that the Lord has something in store for the people of the Southeast part of America. So that's been pretty cool to watch how many people are moving here. I guess part of my journey has been um, there was a period of time where my husband was living and working in Brazil for two years. And I only had two kids at the time and we were still living in the United States. It just, there wasn't much of an opportunity for us to go with him at that point in time. And 
during that phase of life, I walked away from the church. There were a lot of reasons why, um, but it was a very intentional decision and I had no plans of coming back. And I've told this story in a couple different venues, but um, it was pretty miraculous how the Lord brought me back after about five years of not going to church. And over the past five or six years, I have reflected a lot on what has made the biggest difference as I have um, made my way back into the church and really established my testimony and come to know the Savior and what it has helped me to really stay active. Because when I made the decision to come back, my husband didn't come with me. So he he doesn't come to church with us. And one of my children now is not coming. And it's a, I'm not going to say it's a trial because I don't, I don't want to look at my family like they're a trial. But for me personally, the struggle is there to try and balance that of love for my family and love for the church, right? Because we are a family-centered church and a lot of the activities and lessons and things that we talk about are really centered on family. While at the same time, all of those things, if your whole family isn't at church with you, they take you away from your family. And so finding that balance has been, um, it's been an interesting journey for me. And as I have thought about what has really helped me to find that balance and to figure out where I need to be prioritizing my time, one thing really stood out to me. And it surprised me actually, because that one thing is reading the Book of Mormon every single day. And I don't know that that necessarily on the surface makes sense, but as I start to pinpoint um, the guidance and inspiration and lessons that I've learned, they all point back to studying the Book of Mormon every single day. So the Book of Mormon has been pivotal in your journey. I love how you say that it doesn't seem to make sense, yet everything ties back to that. I think that's, that is key. How did that come about for you? How, was the Book of Mormon pivotal in your coming back to the church after being away for five years, or is this something that you've come to since coming back? Um, no, actually, when I started coming back, like I couldn't have even, even told you where my scriptures were. I had no idea where in my house amongst all our moves. I didn't know where they were located. Um, and I don't even remember what it was that made me decide to start reading the Book of Mormon again. Um, I had probably been going back to church for about three months and I decided I needed to pull it out. And so I'm a, I love New Year's Day. I love fresh starts. I love let's start new goals. And so I just said, okay, January 1st, I'm going to pull out my Book of Mormon and I'm going to start reading. And I did. And at first it was hard. It, when you haven't been reading scripture for a long time, it doesn't make sense to you. You don't have the love for it. There, you're still trying to figure out how to make time in your day for it. And so one of the things that I started doing was I would just leave them open on my kitchen counter which when you're a mom, you know, kitchen counters are where everything goes and you run the risk of it being destroyed by a spilled cup of water or something, you know? Um, but I also knew that that's somewhere I was all the time in my house. And so it would be really hard for me to walk past an open scripture and not at least glance at it, right? Like 
I would at least look at it. And then when I would look at it, I'd be like, oh, all right, well, I have time. I can read one verse right now. And then um, eventually, you know, it would turn into me because the spirit works like that. When we are doing something that the Lord knows is important for us and he has a lesson to teach us, we're going to feel that. We're going to feel that pull to something. And so it was little by little having that constant visual reminder in my face. I eventually made my way to the dining room table. And now that's where I just leave it open all the time. My Book of Mormon is always sitting on our dining room table. And um, I will often just walk in there and sit down and start reading because it, that's the power it has in my life is it pulls me to it because I have come to know that I can look to the Book of Mormon and get guidance for anything in my life. How do you find guidance for anything in your life in the Book of Mormon? I think we we hear that the Book of Mormon has the answer to all the questions. And sometimes it's like, well, really? Like it was written so long ago. How can I answer my specific questions today? So how how have you found that working in your life? So the way that I started figuring this out was I do not sit down with my Book of Mormon without pen and paper next to me. I'm a writer and I love to read. And so Heavenly Father knows that's that's the language that he can speak to me in, right? Like I words on a page, that's my thing. And so I would just start, I would write down, if I was reading one verse, usually there's one word or a phrase that would catch my attention. And so I would write it down and then I'd read the next verse and then I'd write down whatever caught my attention. And sometimes it's just like, I have no idea what that word means, right? There are lots of words in the scriptures that we don't know what they mean. And so just write it down because I want to go look up what it means. And as I started doing that, I would look at my notes and there would be a pattern there. And very often the pattern had to do with something that I was trying to um, learn or uh, someone I was worried about or thinking about trying to better a relationship. And there was a pattern to those words that were sticking out to me. And so it's, it's funny because at one point in time, I was trying to decide if I wanted to go back to school to become a physical therapist. At the time I was teaching group fitness lessons and I had a really big interest in the human body and trying to keep it healthy. And I was reading, and this one came from Doctrine and Covenants at the time, but I, there's a verse in Doctrine and Covenants that says, you will not be a physician to the world, but you will be a physician to the church. And I was like, oh, I mean, because I was in the process of trying, I had applied for the school, I was picking classes, trying to figure out a schedule. And that verse just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, okay. I am not supposed to do this. And that was so random, but it clearly wasn't. I love that. How the Lord just speaks to us in such powerful ways that make things so clear in verses of scripture that were written so long ago. I never, that never ceases to amaze me that those things can speak to us today. And that you shall not be a physician to the world. I mean, Really? What are the chances that you would be reading that particular verse on the at the exact time that you're going through the process of moving forward with that? Yeah, it's so cool. 
Yeah, it's absolutely cool. Okay, I have a quote from you from your application that I want to talk about because I think it's really profound and I think it's something that all of us need to understand whether or not we are in the same situation as you with your family kind of being split between activity and not. Um, so you said, I frequently find myself having to discern where the Lord needs me to be. And sometimes that means the Sabbath day looks different for me than it does for others. I think this is really important again for all of us to understand. So what would you want people to understand about what it is like to live the gospel in your particular situation? So in my home, it's often determining where Jesus would be in that moment. Um, that's kind of the guideline that I have used because obviously with people that don't go to church and that's not really a priority in their life, there are things that we have grown up. Well, if you grew up in the church that you grew up thinking you don't do those things on Sunday, right? Like you don't go out to eat, you don't garden, you don't work in your yard, you don't do this, 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 and this, you go to church. And there have been times where it has felt really important to me that I needed to be with my family instead of doing, instead of worrying about that checklist of things that we shouldn't do. And I, I love how President Nelson has really emphasized this. He gave a talk several years ago about how he was able to remove the checklist. And it was more the intention of what would the savior have me do? What sign am I giving to the Lord? Um, and there was, I want to say maybe about a year ago, there was one Sunday where I just woke up and I was like, I really need to spend time with my husband right now. Like that's, I need to do that. We're stretched so thin and we don't live near any family. So we don't have that help to rely on. Um, and I just, it was funny because then when he woke up after about an hour after I did, he asked me, he said, Hey, I'm going to go run at this park that we both really love. Do you want to come with me? And it was probably about an hour before church was supposed to start. And I just like overwhelmingly thought I needed to go with him. We needed that time for our relationship. And I started to feel a little twinge of guilt about it. Like, Oh no, I need to go to church. I need to go to church. I need to go to church. Right. But the spirit just gently reminded me like, no, your marriage is important. This is for eternity. You need, you need these relationships to be strong. And so I did. And it was a beautiful morning for the two of us. And so that's what I mean when sometimes it looks different. It just, um, I think we need to really be careful about the judgments that we make when we see other people doing something different than we do, especially on the Sabbath day, because we don't know what their intentions are. We don't know what they're dealing with in their home that might make them make a different choice than us. Judgment in general, we need to be careful with, but I think it's important to understand. We have no idea what's going on behind the scenes of, of anybody's life. So what are some of the other challenges you have faced with trying to be active in the church with part of your family not active? You know, I'll say it one that has, it came up, it's come up recently. It's been a struggle for me off and on, but it kind of resurfaced recently. And that is showing up to church by yourself can be really hard. And I know there are people in different situations that 
I feel the same way. Like it can feel really lonely at church sitting there amongst all the families. And sometimes, especially when you're feeling a little bit vulnerable, like I was released as young women's president after serving in young women's for five years, just a couple months ago. And I have struggled since I got released because that was my place. Like I had a place, I had a purpose in our ward. Um, and for that to just suddenly be gone. And lately we've just, we've had so much sickness going through my house. And so there have been a lot of times the past couple of months that I've showed up to church by myself and Satan knew he knew that I was struggling. And he, that was like all I could think about when I would show up. And so that's one way that I've really been struggling. I think I'm finally coming out of that funk now, but, um, that's something that I don't know that a lot of people necessarily are thinking about on Sundays is how there are many of us that feel lonely sitting there. And then um, the other thing that was really hard was just knowing when to push and when to hold back with my kids. Um, like I said, I have one who after COVID never hasn't come back. And that's been a tricky situation to know how far to push that. Like you have to come to church or you don't have to come to church because I think all of us have people in our families that are either inactive or have left the church. And that's tricky. It's tricky when we know we're like, no, you come. I promise that's heavenly father needs you. We need you there. That's where you're going to feel the spirit hopefully. And, um, but that's not the solution, right? Like the solution comes as we love them outside of church. And so that's been, you know, that's a little tricky for me sometimes too, is knowing when to push and when to just let off the gas and let it be what it's going to be. Because, you know, I know from my own experience that nothing anyone else can say or do is going to make someone get a testimony of Jesus Christ. and pushing and trying to force something isn't going to change that. I think that's good advice for all of us, especially those of us with teenagers, those who maybe have kids who are pushing back. It's a reality, I think, for a lot of people and a tricky balance for all of us who are in that situation to know when to push and when to hold back. But I love what you said about you can't force it. I have had to come to this conclusion through different experiences than what you've had. I have to let the Lord do his work. He is the one who can reach those hearts and can, you know, change hearts and can fix broken things. And that's not my work. That's not my job. You made me think of, so my favorite scripture story ever, like this is my one I go back to again and again and again is third Nephi 17, where the Savior's visiting the Nephites in America. And he asks them to one by one come to him and he will heal them, right? And at the end of that chapter, um, I love the last three verses. Is it okay if I just read them? Of course. It says, and he spake unto the multitude and said unto them, behold your little ones. And as they looked to behold, they cast their eyes towards heaven and they saw the heavens open and they saw angels descending out of heaven as it were in the midst of fire. And they came down and encircled those little ones about and they were encircled about with fire and the angels did minister unto them. And the multitude did see and hear and bear record, and they know that their record is true, for they, all of them, did see and hear, 
every man for himself. And I love that because I think if we can step back from those situations and really take time to behold those around us, behold our loved ones, that's not just to look at them, that's to really see them, see their divine nature, see who they are, who Heavenly Father made them to be. We will see that He is everywhere. He has sent help, He has sent angels to surround them because they're His kids, they're His children. And he will make sure that they're going to be okay. And then I love that last part that, you know, in the end, they all bear record that it's true because every single person experienced it for himself. And when we try to force things, it's almost like we are telling the Lord, like, I I don't trust you to take care of this. Like, I don't trust that your hand is in this. But if we can take that step back and really try to see our loved ones through his eyes. It it takes the pressure off. It takes that doubt away and we can see his hands everywhere. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. What made the difference for you when you were coming back to the church? Um, one of the things that really made a difference for me was just having people there that didn't push. It was that they didn't push, right? They just tried to get to know me and let me take it slow. Because I think a lot sometimes when people are first coming back to the church, we have this gut instinct to like, no, we need to grab them while they're here, right? We don't want to lose them again. But that can, that's really overwhelming. I mean, when I first came back, I was really honest. I sat down with the Relief Society president and said, I don't want to be a visiting teacher. I don't want anyone visiting me. I don't want home teachers coming to visit me. You know, like I was very honest, like I'm not in that place. (laughs) Don't put that pressure on me yet because I am, I'm starting out back at the beginning. And um, so, and maybe some people need that. And that's where it's really important to be prayerful and let the spirit be the guide there. But for me, it was helpful to have people that reached out, but didn't push, if that makes sense. So that you knew that they knew you and that they cared, but they weren't going to like hover or show up on my doorstep every Sunday. Right. Right. That gets overwhelming. Right. Right. So was it like a little by little thing for you? It was. And I'll be honest, one of the things that I think was the absolute biggest blessing for me was maybe a month after I'd started coming back, I got called into Young Women's. And I I love teenagers. They're my favorite. (laughs) And um, I think at that time, Heavenly Father also knew that spiritually, that's about the level I was at. And so I was able to, I, I didn't feel intimidated, right? Like that I didn't know enough to contribute. And so that was really good for me was to feel like I was on the same spiritual level. And I was able to, um, learn gospel principles and doctrine in a way that was comfortable for me. So, but again, that just speaks to how well heavenly father knows each of us. He knew that that's what I would need. Yeah, absolutely. And you were in Young Women's from that point through recently when you got released? Yeah, I was an advisor and then camp director and then I was president. So I was in there for a while. 
Yeah. No wonder that's hard to let go. That's a huge part of, of who you are and your journey back to the church. That would be really hard. Yeah. It's, it's been interesting. I feel like I'm kind of back at square one again in some ways. So that discomfort, uh-huh. <laughs> I think we all kind of have to <laughs> have to go there at some point and be uncomfortable and allow ourselves to be open to whatever's next. So what is that looking like for you right now? I'm still figuring it out. It's funny. We had um, our state conference was this past weekend and I, I've been so stressed about trying to figure out what's next for me. Like, what is my next thing? What's my, because I feel like since I came back to the church, I've always had some big thing that I was working on or that heavenly father, like put me in a position to be part of. Um, and I don't feel like I have that right now. And so we had state conference and our state president was speaking and he kind of referred back to president Nelson's talk on rest from this past general conference. And overwhelmingly the spirit just told me like, it's just relax, chill out, use this time because I do find myself with extra time right now. Um, Use this time to just rest and to recharge your spirit and to be in the scriptures and go to the temple and play with your kids. And, you know, because those things often do kind of take a back seat when we're pushing towards a really big goal or have a big calling or working on a big project. Um, and so I think I'm finally comfortable saying I'm resting right now. I'm going to rest. I think rest is important. And I think there are some of us struggle with rest, myself included. included. (laughs) I can relate to being like, what am I doing? What is my purpose? Like I, I need something that I can pour my heart into. (laughs) I don't know. For, for me, that's how it is. I, I, and like you am uncomfortable when I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? There's nothing going on right now. I need something (laughs) because I think to be honest, sometimes I think my worth, my, I put my self-worth that wrapped up in all of these things that I'm working on or trying to do or trying to accomplish. And that's not a good thing. I'm not suggesting that that's a good thing, but that's sometimes what I struggle with. Oh, I struggle with that too. Very, very much because my love language is words of affirmation. Like I want you to tell me good job. I want you to comment on that thing I just did. Um, and so it's, it's hard to not, have that feedback, right? Right, right. Well, hang in there. I think you're doing awesome things. I love following you on social media. I think everything you post is so inspiring. And I just, I'm grateful that you have been willing to share part of your journey, you know, with the world. I think that's awesome. So don't discount that, even if it doesn't feel like a big thing. Well, thank you. I it's, I feel like at least I'm trying to do my part. So yeah, well, you are doing your part. So can you tell me through all of this journey of being in the church, leaving the church, coming back, trying to, you know, figure out that balance with your family? How has the Savior shown up for you personally? Oh, so many ways. That's a hard question to answer, Lynette, because I feel like (laughs) he shows up for me every day. Um, I think the biggest thing has been that I understand better who I am. And I think that 
that is because of him, right? It's because it's come as I have really taken the time to understand who Jesus Christ is to me. And the more that I take time to learn about him, the more I can see him in my daily life. And that takes intention. It doesn't just come because you want it to be there. Like I have to actively look for his hand in my life every day. But once you know who he is, it's easier to see how he shows up in your daily life. And, you know, I'll, for instance, my girls have been begging. They love Christmas. They love, they're totally Christmas freaks. And so they were begging to put up our Christmas decorations. And so Monday they came home from school and that's what we did. And my 12 year old, she's not a very smiley person. Like it's very hard to get her to smile and two straight hours of her laughing and dancing and singing. And just, it was the most joyful I have seen her in years. And that was him showing up that day, right? Like he was there helping us have this beautiful moment as mother and daughters. And so I think sometimes we don't attribute that to the savior showing up in our lives, simple moments like that. Right. But it is, everything can be pinpointed back to Jesus Christ. I love how you said, once you know him, you'll be able to find him everywhere. That is profound. We have to know who he is in order to see him in our lives. And then once you know that he is everywhere, it's hard to not see him. The joy of life. Can we, we can tie back to the savior every time. And that is simple and profound and beautiful and all those good things. So however hard that question was to answer, <laughs> you boiled it down to really what matters. Okay, my friend, um, I have one final question for you. And it is, what does standing with the Savior mean to you? I, I had a few answers for this question as I thought about it. But I think, I think what it ultimately boils down to for me is that standing with the Savior means allowing him to be the driving force in my life every single day. Um, from how I interact with those around me, to how I fulfill my church calling, to how I show up at my job, the hobbies I pursue, um, whatever my, you know, like determining what my priorities are all of it, just letting him be the driving force behind my purpose. And when I do that, not only am I ensuring that my relationship with him is solid and intact, but I'm making it easier for other people to find him as well. And maybe they might not always recognize that that's what they're seeing, but they'll feel it. They'll feel something different. They'll feel loved. They'll feel seen. And um, at some point, they'll figure out that it was Jesus Christ. And so that's that's my goal. Every day I wake up and pray to know how I can prioritize the Savior that, that day. Because I know when I do that, everything else will fall into place. Again, profound, my friend. Profound. Um, you've been on both sides of that story, so even more profound that you have learned how to prioritize Christ in your life. 
and let him be the driving force because that's not easy. That's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to say, I'm going to get out of the way and let your will be the most important thing. And I think if we could all learn to do that, we would all be in such a better place. So thank you for being an example of that and for just sharing your light and showing up and, and doing all the things that you do. I am grateful that you are my friend. <laughs> I'm grateful for you. Thank you. Well, thank you for being willing to be here and share your story with us today. I can't wait to share it with the world. And I know it will be helpful for a lot of people to be able to understand what it's like to be in your shoes. So thank you. All right, my friends, isn't Audra amazing? I hope you enjoyed listening to her story as much as I did. I just love how much she loves the Book of Mormon. That came through so clearly in the words of her story. And I learned so much from her about how to interact with and treat people who may be in different situations than I am. And I think that is valuable information to have. I'm so grateful for Audra and her willingness to come and share her story with us. I will post all of the links for you to follow Audra if you want to follow along with her story in the episode description. I will also post a link if you are interested in joining my Shine 40 challenge where you can really work to develop spiritual habits such as reading the Book of Mormon every day that will truly bind you to Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and help you to develop that personal relationship with them. I will put a link for that in the show notes as well if you're interested in learning more about that. And I cannot wait to see you back here again next week. Thanks for being here. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepard. That's two N's, two P's, and an A-R-D, or at LynetteShepard.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again, and remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.